This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Parim, Eric Scopel with me on the show as always. And today is Wednesday and we are back on schedule, which means mailbag you guys have sent us questions over social media on duckterritory.com we've taken the best ones that we feel like fit today's topics and fit today's interests for duck fans and we're going to answer those questions for you guys here on today's show but first before we do I want to remind everyone you could subscribe to duckterritory.com today for as low as one dollar for your first month 9.95 there after that or Go and save over $36 over the course of a year by subscribing today for an annual membership at $75.18. Both come with inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. Read all the content across the entire 24-7 Sports Network, not just our site, but the entire 24-7 Sports Network. And both options get you free access for as long as you are a member to DuckTerritory.com, to CBS All Access. That is CBS's streaming platform, live TV shows, live sports, movies, on-demand features, all of it commercial-free, comes at you as a $99 value. That's for free with your membership to DuckTerritory.com. Also want to remind you guys, please give us a review on uh, on the podcast. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to the show. Uh, please give us a review there. That helps us tremendously. Second, make sure to click that like and subscribe button for the podcast. That way, it's a free free way to get the show. You get notified every day when, when we upload a new show. Uh, you have our full access to our library as well. Uh, over 350 shows we've recorded for the Odds and Audible's podcast. All right, Eric, uh, six questions. I have some feelings. We've We've got some recruiting. We've got some team stuff. Uh, we're going to dive into all of it here on, on the show. We'll start with at Duck Your Opinion. And before we even read his question, I'll just say he really made it close to this being an, an explicit podcast. If I read that wrong, I think we have the first F-bomb on uh, the show history. Fortunately, I, I did okay. I had to practice it because, boy, would I, <laughs> would I hate to have said that one. So from at Duck Your Opinion, do you think Tyler Shuck and Anthony Brown have cemented their spot on the depth chart, or can a guy like Robbie Ashford – or Jay Butterfield, make a move up. Hashtag Ots and Audibles. Thank you for using the hashtag. Um, before I throw it to Matt, I'm just going to say my, my answer is simply no. <laughs> I don't think there's – I think it's Tyler Shuck's job. I think Anthony Brown, I'd give him like maybe a 5 to 10% chance of winning this. And I don't think any other quarterbacks, none of the freshmen, you mentioned Ashford and Butterfield, also redshirt Kale Millen on the team. I would be stunned if they're even, even in the discussion. We've heard those players' names – brought up basically not at all unless we've specifically asked about them um this is tyler shuck and anthony brown and i really think it's tyler shuck by quite a wide margin right now um and i would be stunned if any of the other names even make uh even even really are in the discussion uh in the next couple of weeks yeah you know to be perfectly honest and blunt no 
Like, I don't think the true freshmen are going to make a run and all of a sudden start. I think if Oregon sees one of the freshman quarterbacks, I guess Kale uh, is a, a redshirt freshman. So if Robbie Ashford or Jay Butterfield or Kale Millen um, see the football field as a starter during the 2020 football season, that means either Tyler Shuck, that means both Tyler Shuck and Anthony Brown have either gotten hurt yeah, uh, or they are really, really bad which I don't think anyone is expecting or see they are out because of COVID-19 related reasons. Um, it's going to take all three of those scenarios to play out probably for a true freshman or a redshirt freshman to play and start at quarterback. Doesn't mean they won't play. I, I, I think if you told me that we see Jay Butterfield or Kale Millen or Robbie Ashford or all three of those guys get at least some reps in a game, um, that wouldn't surprise me one bit because uh, you have to be ready. You have to be prepared and you've got an opportunity to get some young guys, some, some snaps, you, you take it, but I don't think they're going to start. No. And Cristobal is, I mean, the discussions have been on the other two guys and, and Cristobal even said in the scrimmage they had on Saturday, Shuck with the first team Brown with the second team, he didn't even mention any of the other quarterbacks by name. So, I mean, it really, it really is a two guy job here or a battle I should say for this job. So, um, not much more to say on that one. Next question from at Puddles Dog. How probable is it we see Justin Flo or Noah Sewell crack the starting lineup before week one? Um, well, if I'm going to be a real smart ass here, I'll say you couldn't start a game before the first game. So none of no, <laughs> nobody, nobody's going to make a start before week one. Don't just, be a jerk. Yeah, sorry, prop, Puddles. That was uncalled for. But um, I, so I guess the question is, do we expect either of those players to start uh, to be the, the season, uh, the starter when we make the debut of the season? I got my karma there by being not even able to speak, a, put a sentence together after I uh, called out Puddles for uh, his word choice. So I, I'll take that. But um, so I don't know, Matt. I, I look at this and think, I think the odds are pretty decent. One of them is the season opening starter, but I'm really starting to feel like Drew Mathis is going to have something to say about this. The senior is the name we keep hearing brought up, um, you know, along with these two freshmen. And I guess MJ Cunningham's name needs to be mentioned to the, the sophomore. Um, but I, I, I'm going to say it's like maybe 60, 40. We don't see one of them open the season as a starter. For some reason, I just feel like Mathis has is, is, is been very impressive so far in fall camp. They mentioned his leadership and how he's been pretty steady. I don't. I think similar to what we saw last year, and again, Gus Cumberlander got hurt. And no, no one's, you know, I'm not suggesting that, but I, I really think this is a thing where maybe we see Flo and Sewell starting their first games a little bit further in the season. You know, Mario Cristobal noted that they're going to be impact guys, but he also noted that they had a very different. Um, ramp up to the start of a, a season than what we saw with Kayvon even last year where, you know, Thibodeau came in, he had the all of spring, he had the summer conditioning, he had a full, a full fall camp. I mean, these guys basically had no spring or summer and they're getting a fall camp that starts much later in the year. Not that that matters a ton in terms of, I mean, it's still in theory similar. Um, but I just kind of think I, my, my money right now is probably Drew Mathis is the starter at, at that spot. Um, at the Mike linebacker spot when the season starts. Do you agree, Matt, or are you thinking one of these freshmen takes the job? Um, it's a tough one. I I feel extremely confident both will play a lot week one Absolutely. against Stanford. Um, will one of them – will both of them start? No. I, I don't think I, – I can say that very safely. 
that yes. that both will not start because Isaac Slade has locked up one of those starting spots uh, as he should have, as it was expected. And quite honestly, Eric, like maybe this is a hot take, but I kind of think Isaac will be Oregon's best linebacker in 2020. Like I, I know all the fascination is on these five stars and these two guys are going to be physically, you know, two of the best linebackers we've ever seen arrive as freshmen at Oregon. And they are the most highly regarded highly rated recruits to ever play the position and show up as freshmen. Um, But nonetheless, like Isaac was a top five tackler on the team last year was, should have been, you know, at at, at worst PAC 12 all conference honorable mention for Oregon last season. And I look at him as he, he's not the sexy flashy five-star recruit that Flo and Sewell are. But he's got the production. He knows the system. He's played at the speed before. I think he's going to be the, the team's best linebacker in 2020. And it's and if he is and and Flo and Sewell and and Drew Mathis and MJ Cunningham, uh, those are your your guys that are second through five. Your linebacker core inside is pretty good. Um, I think Mathis will probably. Here's the question: D- Does Oregon go with? sheer athleticism, sheer raw talent, or do they go with experience that first game? Because you can't have a fault in, in any of your seven games because if you have one bad game and, and you lose, it costs you your chance at the playoff, which is slim going into the season already. And we know right now that Isaac has moved over to the Will linebacker spot. The yep. Mike is the one that makes all the calls. Do you want to put a true freshman paying his first game – in an offseason that we've never seen before with limited on-field you know, practice time, no spring football for the most part, plenty of walkthrough, but you, you know, walkthroughs only do so much. Or do you, do you roll with your redshirt senior who, or your senior linebacker who's at least had a year in the system, knows, uh, yeah, has, has more familiarity with it, and ease in one of the freshmen. I think that's probably what happened. So I would agree with you. I, I think Drew Mathis probably starts week week one. I don't think it's safe to say Drew Mathis starts week seven against Washington or whoever they uh, week week seven whoever they play in that in that final week of the season though. This might be hot take too. I think the best linebacker is somebody we haven't even mentioned yet, and that's Mace Funa. Um, there's my little, that's my hot take contribution. And I guess we're both saying we're not expecting one of these true freshmen to be the best linebackers on the team. I don't think that's a slight on these freshmen as much as it is like, I, we just spoke with Mace Funa on Tuesday. Uh, I think that guy looks physically ready and he's put on some, he's put on some weight, but he's also leaned out. I mean, he, he looks different physically and he was a stud last year. And then and that's kind of funny because he plays a stud position, but I, I I'm thinking he's going to be a player at the end of the season. We're like, gosh, Oregon is loaded at linebacker because Isaac was awesome. Mace was awesome. And you've got these up and coming true freshmen that are going to be, I think superstars. And again, I'm not discounting these true freshmen at all. I just know what the tendency is and, it, and it's an understanding it's understandable, but you have to remember like last year through like five games of the regular season, Kayvon Thibodeau wasn't starting. And in fact, we thought Mace Funa was the more impactful true freshman at that point over Thibodeau. I mean, it, sometimes there takes some maturation process, you know, in a position, like you're saying, where you have to make the calls. Uh, that's not something that's easy to do. And that's not something I, I think that's a, that's a, it, it, here's what I will say is if Mathis is beaten out by one of those guys, 
it says an awful lot about those guys and their ability to get ready for a season, given everything that's gone up against them with COVID, with the veterans on the team, with having to play a position where you're, again, you're in charge of making the calls for everybody in the front seven. Um, it would take a huge undertaking for that to happen. I'm not expecting it for it to happen to start this season, but I, again, I think these guys are going to be lights out and, and Oregon fans are going to be very excited with what Oregon has in the front seven by the end of this season. Third and final question before the end of the first segment from at duck scribe. Will cheering be piped in for games? Um, I don't think we have clarity on that. Do we, Matt? I think last time we spoke with Mario, he was saying that the Pac-12 was still determining kind of how all that stuff works, right? Yeah. He was waiting on, on, on the decision from people that control that decision, um, that answer before they move forward on what they do. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, if you listen to Fox, if you watch Fox games, I think they pipe in crowd noise, artificial noise. Um, ESPN, not, I think ESPN does as well. So that right there, if you're watching on TV, you'll probably hear some kind of artificial fan noise. Fan noise. Um, in person, though, there is talk of allowing, you know, the Pac-12 has agreed that uh, as long as the local state health authorities okay it that friends and family in a limited capacity can show up and watch the games um you know you, you figure 115 guys on the team each guy probably gets four tickets you know we might see a thousand people um in in the stadium um that's that's pure speculation on my part um is it going to be noticeable over the tv though uh that's going to be up for debate, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if there's a small number of fans, but artificial noise um, in the stadium that I, I don't believe will happen. Like maybe on TV, but in, in the game, probably not. It's going to be very- do you think that they do it? Should they do artificial noise in the game in person? I know. I, I personally hate that kind of thing. Um, it's such weird circumstances too, where I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I, I'm also thinking like at some point you want to honor the home field advantage in some way. And if that's at least making it a little more difficult for the visiting offense to get its plays in and to get comfortable and maybe have some of those, I mean, like think about how many false starts you would see at an Austin home game just because of the crowd noise. And you're removing that entire crowd noise element of things. And I would imagine like I would imagine we're not going to see as anywhere near as many pre-snap infractions this season if there are no oh, yeah. there's no fan noise. Like, I mean, that stuff should, in theory, and I'm sure Mario Cristobal would, would be the first one to say this. That stuff should go out the window if if you don't have any fans there for a distraction, you know, to get in, to force you in a huddle or into um, you know at the line of scrimmage to have some sort of issues. Like that that's that's a huge advantage I think for the visiting teams, and you know, and again. There's no easy solutions here. So I probably would be like, I'd like to find a way to naturally have that happen, but clearly that's not the case. So I'm probably like kind of open as we're recording this. I am seeing that it looks like some of the Bay area. Um, I don't know if this actually includes Stanford or Cal, but that they're open to allowing 20,000 or sorry, 20% of stadiums. I, again, I don't know if that impacts. Yeah. So schools. I saw that as well. And um, the, the state government has allowed that the County government in Santa Clara has said no. So, and that's kind of what goes to what the PAC 12 said is, Hey, we'll allow it as long as um, 
the local health authorities okay it. And in that situation, the state's saying yes, but the county situation is saying they are not comfortable with where things are locally where that stadium is at. So no, no fans. <laughs> My point was it would be really unfortunate to have certain fan bases have that advantage and others yes. not. So, I mean, if I was going to say like if, if Cal and Stanford are allowed to have 20%, 20% of their stadiums filled with Stanford, I don't even know if that actually would it even be able to do that um, <laughs> just from their fan base. I don't know if they can put 20% of the fan. I don't even know if they'll get enough ticket holders to do that. Um, but like, I would just, I would, a little bit of an ouch, but I, I would just find it really. It's also uh, true. It's also true. We've been, at the, we were there not that long ago and they did not have a lot of fans of that game. Um, but, uh, but I would just, it would be unfortunate. I, I would love to see an evening of playing field. And if, if it's a thing where certain schools in the conference are allowed to pump in or not pump in, but are allowed to have some fans present to create that atmosphere, I'd love for there to be some sort of equity or some sort of, you know, even the playing field and have, schools that maybe aren't allowed that to at least pump something in or, or find some sort of in-between. Cause it just seems like that would be a legitimate advantage. I mean, or Cal's the team that Oregon in my mind has as the biggest, you know, contender in the North with Oregon. Um, I would hate for that game against Cal to feel like it's impacted at all because they have some sort of home field advantage. Oregon is not able to have. So um, long winded answer, but I, I think it kind of depends on what the other schools are doing. I think it just has to be even across the board. All right, three questions in. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show with three more answers from questions you guys have submitted to the show. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel. On the show, as always, three questions into the mailbag, three more questions to go. 
Eric, continue on, my sir, my good sir. <laughs> All right, fourth, fourth from Smith Garrett, 91. With the talent Oregon football is recruiting these days, who do you predict, and I love this question, will be the best player on this year on, on the team in three years? Hashtag Ots and Audibles. Thank you for using the hashtag. And for those listening, please use the hashtag when you're asking the questions. It makes it a lot easier for me to find them um, to put this together. So you're helping yourself also by using, and you're helping the show by promoting it. Um, this is a tough one, kind of a fun one here. Three I, years. I, three years from now. So we're, I think we're talking about the 2022 season, right? Three years from now, or are we talking 2023? Because that would actually kind of matter to a certain degree. Uh, um, let's do 2022. Um, okay. So that would mean... No, that, that's fair. That would be the 2020, the 21, the 2022 season. Okay, yeah, so let's do 2022. Like the true freshmen this year are, are true juniors. Which is why I'm going to pick Justin Flo. I think at that point, Kayvon Thibodeau is out the door. Michael Wright is out the door. Micah Pittman is out the door. All of these running backs are out the door. Um, a lot of these offensive linemen are gone. I think Flo and Sewell are probably the player's best position right now to have two years experience going into that season. So I like, I like NB, NB, we should say, not just to have that experience, but to also have that five-star caliber talent. So I'm going Justin Flo. I also thought about a guy like Ty Thompson, but I'm thinking about at that point, if we're doing 2022, he, that might be like his, in theory, his first year as a starting quarterback or his maybe a second year. So I, I don't know if he'll have quite as much experience whereas a guy like Flo um, would be entering it in theory with, with quite a bit of experience. I am... I'm going to go devil's advocate because okay. I don't like doing this um, just because... I would agree that Justin Flo probably would be the logical choice. But I'm going to go Devil's Agafit, and I'm going to say Ty Thompson. I, I, I really think there's a possibility that Ty shows up and assumes the mantle once Tyler Shuck leaves. And I think there's an opportunity in which Shuck plays this year he plays in 2021 and is gone after the 2022 football season. And I think Ty Thompson, I, I really think his senior year this year right now might make him a five-star recruit. And I, I think he is going to come into the program and we're going to get some, some vibes that this guy is going to be a three-year starter two-year starter and top 10 top five nfl draft pick because he's six foot five he can run when needed he's got a cannon of an arm and he can lead a team in an offense that could put up insane numbers i'm gonna go i'm gonna go ty thompson he and what's crazy is he may not even play because it could be shuck still you know as a redshirt junior playing that's why I was making the distinction of 22 and 23 because in 23, I would have gone Thompson in 22. I just don't think he's had enough experience to, to get there. Whereas a guy like Flo would, would have a couple of years. And I don't disagree with anything you said with Ty Thompson. I think you've got, I mean, Oregon fans should be really excited about the quarterback position. You've got, I think Tyler Shuck's going to be really impressive in 2020. He's going to be really impressive in 2021. I'm not going to be stunned at all if he's, he's gone after that year. Um, you know, even though he has left, he has some uh, um, eligibility left. And I think Ty Thompson is every bit the caliber of a prospect of a Tyler Shuck or a Justin Herbert from an NFL perspective. I think he has that ceiling. 
And you're right. I think your Oregon fans are going to go from Justin Herbert to Tyler Shuck to Ty Thompson. I think all three of those guys are going to be first round NFL quarterbacks. That's, that's my prediction. What, do you think there's like a possibility where like, let's say Shuck balls out in 2020 mm-hmm. and has a really good year. And then in 2021, um, let's say that, let's say Oregon sneaks into the playoff in 2020, they lose. I like how you're talking. Semifinal. And then in 2021, they come back and they make it to the championship game. And both years, Tyler Shuck just puts up just insane numbers from a from a per game perspective. Does Tyler Shuck go pro? Yeah, I do. I, I think I think he's. I think I'm expecting him to go after 2021. Honestly, I mean, I think that would make sense, right? I mean, if it's not, he's coming back, and he'd have. In theory, this year the eligibility clock is is frozen, but like. You have some time left, but I, I'm again. I, I'm very much on the Tyler Shuck. Like, like, like I just said. I think, I think he's going to be a first round draft pick. I think Ty Thompson's going to be a first round draft pick. I think Oregon's going to have three straight quarterbacks that are going to be drafted there. Um, and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Tyler Shuck after the 2021 season. I really do. Um, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm putting the expectations way too high for a guy, and he hasn't even made his first start, and that's probably a little unfair. But we've heard so many positive things, and I, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm a believer that he's going to be really good, and I'm not saying he's not going to have growing pains in 2020 or even some in 2021, but I think we're going to get to the end of the 2021 20, season, and he's going to be going pro, and it's going to be Ty Thompson's job starting in 2022. All right, fifth question from at QuackAttack74. Any chance Jonathan Flo follows his brother to Eugene with a limited amount of scholarships left? Hashtag odds and audibles. This is not a scholarship thing for Jonathan Flo. Um, actually, Greg Biggins, one of the 247 analysts, has an update on the site. For those who are VIP subscribers, go check and look at it. He lays it out in better detail. Um, well, we, uh, we've said this before. There's, there's some issues with him trying to get his academics in order. And I don't expect, unless Matt feels like things have changed since we've talked about this last on the podcast, I don't expect Jonathan Flo to be a member of this class. I think when the academics gets you know, sorted, I think, sure, he'll end up probably at Oregon with his brother, but I don't expect it to be this year. Yeah, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't anticipate him being part of the 2021 class. Um, he, immensely talented player on the football field, but he's got to get, like you said, he's got to get some stuff done off it in the, in the classroom. And, and honestly, um, it, 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 if he if he gets that stuff secured and if Oregon finds they have an available scholarship, I think they would take him. Um, I don't think that available scholarship, though, happens as of where we're at right now. But, hey, there's still a lot of time left to figure that out. Yeah, I agree with you. Really talented guy, a player who I think everybody would love to see at Oregon with his brother. And, and I'm going to guess that they end up at some point that works out. And I don't know if that's going to, I don't know how long it's going to take Jonathan to get his academics sorted. And this might just be like a one season type of thing, but I'm expecting that he ends up at Oregon at some point, but 2021 from everything um, that's out there, it really seems unlikely he's, he's able to be a part of this class. And I think he probably ends up going Juco. Um, and then a year or two down the line, Oregon is, is, is looking at him as a, as a priority from that regard. All right, last question from at Snyder Jordan. And nice to see some new names asking questions. Again, if you've never done it before, it's very easy. Go on Twitter once or twice a week. I will post asking for questions. You go ahead and throw them in there. Use the hashtag odds and audibles 
and we will find them and put them on the show. We do about six to eight per week. So very reasonable that your, your question could be answered. So the next one here, like I said, first time question from at Snyder Jordan with both the women's and men's basketball teams recruiting at a high level, which team do you think will have the most success over the next three or four years? Hashtag us notables. I'm going to guess we might be split here because these are our two beats, Matt. And, you know, I'm, I'm focusing, I'm, I'm very excited about the future of the women's program and dialed in there. And you're the same, I think on the men's side, but I'll, I'll start and just say, I, I really think the talent that Kelly Graves has, has put together, um, we should note, um, spoke with him uh, earlier today on Wednesday, we'll have a bunch of content on the site up, up, you know, previewing their season. Their season's not starting much later than the football season. It's like two weeks after, yeah, not it's, even, it's kind of crazy. So not um, fun, not fun for you and me. It's going to be, well, it's going to be a lot of fun at some points, but we're going to be exhausted. Um, we're going to have a lot of stuff we'll be working on. Um, but that's, that's besides the point. I, I'm really excited for what this program can become. I, I think you're seeing it go from a program that was, hey, we've got these really incredible talents and Sabrina Ionescu and Ruthie Hebert and Satu Sabali who are clearly were program-changing additions. I mean, you see where they are now compared to where they were before they arrived. There's no question. I mean, this was a bottom feeder program. But I think the direction they're headed, feel, I really feel like they're going to be the Yukon out West kind of program for the foreseeable future. I don't, I'm not saying, you know, it's unfair to make that comparison entirely because Yukon was winning like, every game besides four for a decade, it seems like, I mean, they were winning like incredible. I mean, they were winning like 33 out of 34 games every year. So that's not realistic probably, but I think from a just college basketball has also gotten a lot better from a women's perspective. So much is a lot better than what it was when UConn started. Exactly. I mean, cause it was, I remember there was a season I looked it up and UConn won every game of their season. I think it was when like Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi were there. And they won them by like an average of 32 points a game. And it was just yeah. like, that's not fair. They're playing at a different level. I don't think Oregon's going to be quite that level because like Matt says, that the, the landscape has changed. But I really think Oregon on a women's basketball perspective is going to win a national championship this decade. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than one, honestly. You know, and we're talking in the next three to four years. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they get their first one in that span. I think the talent on this year's team is really, really good. I think I don't expect this year to be the year they really make that push just because it's it's talent that's never played together. It's like what we've talked about on the offensive line recently of kind of the ceiling of that group. And we think it's really talented, but they just have no experience together. It's kind of the same thing with the women's basketball program. So I, I think this season is a season of getting everything put together and gelling. And then they basically don't lose anybody besides Aaron Boley and Lydia Yomi from uh, the, the, for the following season. And I think that's really when you see them start to push and compete for championships. And I, again, I think they're going to be the best team in the Pac-12 or one of the best teams along with Stanford and UCLA for the foreseeable future. And I really do think they're going to win a title or two in the 2020s. I think if we're talking year one, year two, so 2020, 2021, I'm taking the men. Um, I think the men are better positioned to win now and win this season or next and have the, be you know, have, have the better year or years compared to the women's standpoint. Um, I think the women this year, Obviously, they lose a ton of talent. They've obviously brought in a bunch of five-star freshmen. They have some guys coming back. Um, but I look at the women and think so many pieces are gone from last year's team. And if it was one player, like if they'd lost just Ruthie or if they lost just Sabrina or if they lost just Satu um, or even two of the three, I still think you could come out and, and make a, a, an argument that, hey, they're a Final Four team. They're going to they're gonna get there, and they're going to have a chance at winning the whole thing. Losing all three, though, 
Like I look at the women's team next year and think, okay, the goal should be sweet 16 elite eight. If they make the final four, they probably overachieve. Um, you know, that they're, they're expected to be a top 10 ish type team for the women. Um, top 15 type team. I think from the men's perspective, yes, they lose Peyton Pritchard, but they bring back a bunch of experience. They've added even more veteran players. They've got a, a good recruiting class that came in and they're going to have the two best centers that they've ever had in program history or two of the three best centers they've ever had in program history join the team next season. And I look at them and think they've, their window is right now to win and get to the final four. I, I think this year it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they made the final four. Definitely next year, uh, I think there, there's an even better chance that they make the final four. And then after that, there's a little bit of a drop off because a, a bunch of the of this year's team, you know, members of the team will be will be gone. And so I, I think if you split this up, year one, year two, I'm taking the men. If you're talking by year four, who's the better program? I'm going to take the women because a majority of their players will have been together for now three or four years. I think that's totally reasonable. And here's what I'll just say, regardless of what the answer is, it's going to be really, really fun to follow these programs and the football program for the foreseeable future. These programs are just recruiting at a completely different level and the talent that they have, and we're going to start to see it more and more. And from a professional perspective too, is just special. And uh, you're in the golden age of Oregon athletics right now. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. When you look at the totality of this athletic department, it's, it's just different. It's different. They've got incredible, incredible talent in every sport. Yeah. The, the, I, I think we're, we're going to see some stuff play out, not just in basketball, but football, softball. I mean, I think yeah. baseball is, is, is trending up as well. Um, track and field has always been elite. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's just a matter of, can they get these games and seasons off? Can they play? Um, cause if they can play and take the field, I, I think Eric, you said it best golden age. We could literally see, you know, we could see a year in which the ducks win. What it wouldn't be a surprise if the men won their conference championship. It wouldn't be surprised if the women won theirs. It wouldn't be surprised if football won theirs. Would it be a surprise if softball won theirs or if track and field, I mean, we're talking the, the program could win five, six, four, five, six, or seven conference championships among sports this year. And it's just a matter of, can they play? We just saw football and men's and women's basketball, all three win those championships last year in the Pac-12. And I think all three are going to be close to or favored in their conferences this year. Probably not women's basketball, maybe not even men's basketball, just because I think people are putting a lot of stock on who, who's gone and not who's on the team. Probably the same thing for women, but it's, it's again, it's incredible. I don't know if softball is going to have a, a great shot just because UCLA is projected to be the, the favorite and they bring back a couple of players who, who might not have been on last year's team because they were going to be playing in the Olympics. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of their talent, but yeah, I mean, just across the board. Yeah. Include softball, include track and field. Um, I, I have to take a look, closer look. I know volleyball the last couple of years seems like it's heading in a little better direction. So it's again, the, the, these athletic departments, you're right. It's, it's a matter of, can they get these games in? Cause if they get these games in, there's no question. Oregon has the most complete athletic department in the West coast. And honestly, probably have a good conversation about where they rank nationally. Just because, I mean, you look at the big three that we're talking about with football and the men's and was basketball, and I realize that's not the big three for every program nationally. There's other pro other sports that are prioritized. 
But if you just were to focus on those three, I think you'd have a hard time finding a program that is better and more complete in all three sports um, or athletic department, I should say, than the three programs Oregon has. I mean, really, like I, I have a hard time thinking of a program that I go football, men's and women's basketball, that they're better than Oregon. Oregon's just they're at, they're at an incredible level right now. I mean, they, they could have a men's and they could have a, yeah, a, a men's basketball class here and a football class here that are both top five coming off a year where the women's basketball program signed the number one rated class in the country. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's going on right now. It's pretty exciting. Nonetheless, we've got a ton to watch over the course of the year. Hopefully you guys are with us. Football is starting relatively soon. Basketball, like Eric said, is right around the corner. And before you know it, more and more sports will be out and playing for the University of Oregon. So thank you for listening to the show. Remember, subscribe to DuckTerritory.com for as low as $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. Make sure to activate your all-CBS access. That's a $99 value, live sports, TVs, shows, movies, on-demand features, commercial-free, free with your membership to DuckTerritory.com. And also, make sure you give us a review on the podcast. Make sure you also click that subscribe button on the podcast. That way you get all our future episodes sent directly to your device when we upload them. For Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prame. You've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.